I want to thank Research Consultants International for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion in projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about research consultants. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic development organizations. Call them now. They can help you create real prospects. Welcome to this episode of Next Move Group's We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. And this is Alex Metzger, co-founder of Next Move Group. So you're getting two of us today. So you got both the co-founders of yeah. Next Move Group today. That's because this is an important topic. Today we're going to talk about interviewing tips. And really the biggest mistakes that we see people make, is, as many of you probably know, we have an executive search division of our company, and it's really taken off and grown fast. It's grown so fast that I'm handling some searches, Alex is handling some searches, most of the time we're not both doing them together so we both we've each got our own stories when it comes to uh, mistakes that we see made so today we're not going to pick on any candidates uh, with any strange mistake we're going to tell you mistakes that we see made over and over again so the next time you have a job interviewer you got a job you really want to pursue you can be prepared and and ready to go after it so that's exactly right i would say in the last year, we've probably interviewed 100, 200 people, Chad, but between the two of us. And it's amazing how many times the same issues uh, or the same mistakes are made over in the course of an over. interview. Exactly. Um, so how do you want to do this? You want to break this up? and uh, Let's do it. Let's talk about the, the common mistakes we see people make during the interview. But then I see people lose a job often before the interview ever starts or after it's over with. So I want to talk about that, too. But I imagine the thing that people are most interested in is it would be to hear, you know, what do folks mess up with during the interview? So in your opinion, what's the what's the number one mistake you see made when they're sitting there in an interview in a boardroom type setting? Well, I would say the, the biggest mistake and the biggest issue is right off the bat. The first question you're going to be asked in any interview is to tell us about yourself. And this is really just an intro and a segue into the interview. I mean, search committees have, have, have tons of questions that they want to get to, very specific to the job and their community. So when you take up, you know, 15 minutes of tell us about yourself, it's really getting off to the wrong, uh, the wrong foot. You want to keep that answer to about a minute and a half to two minutes. You can rehearse it. Uh, it it's very important not to start off the interview uh, rambling for 10 or 15 minutes about your, your history, growing up to high school, different things in your career. You really want to hit the high points and, and realize that that they already know the answer to these questions. It's really just a segue into the interview. And don't start, you know, in the first grade, my teacher was Ms. Sullivan, and in the second grade, my teacher was Ms. Mills, and on and on and on. I mean, you you got you need to tell people about yourself what's going to pertain to this position or anything interesting about you in this geography. Don't give your whole life story. I agree with Alex. 90% of people mess this up, 90%. And so you need to really sit and think about, you know, telling us about yourself. And, and I'll tell you something that I've seen really bother committees uh 
I have had, I don't know if you have, I've had multiple candidates enter a room and not shake everybody's hand in that room. And sometimes it's really not their fault because the way the room's set up, you know, there's a table in the way or you can't really get around there. But but I have had candidates, I have had interviews in, and as soon as the candidate leave, I've had a board member say, uh, I don't care what anybody thinks, we're not hiring that person. He or she didn't even come over here and shake my hand. And so this is before Tell Us About Yourself ever comes up. So you got to remember, you make an impression when you walk in that room. And, you know, when you walk in the room, you need to go around that table and you need to shake everybody's hand in there. I don't care if you got to crawl over that table, how you got to no, do it. You make a very good point there. I mean, I, sometimes the setup is not conducive to that. Sometimes some people that are interviewing, they won't stand up. And, and so you skip that person. But no matter how awkward it is, you're exactly right make sure you shake everybody's hand look them in the eye and go around the room even if it's if it's not conducive to to do that that's a very important first step and you know i also i would say um for men out there i'm gonna pick on them put a tie on shave uh in the last probably two years i have seen and i guess it's just our culture now i have seen more men not wear a tie to an interview uh, I've seen more men come not clean shaven, you know, with heavy beard or mustache or whatnot. And, you know, maybe I'm a little old fashioned in this regard, but uh, where I'm from, if I really want a job, I'm going to put a tie on. And listen, I hate wearing a tie as good as anybody. But when I really want a job, I'm going to put a tie on and I'm going to shave. Just like if I'm after a big sale that I want for a company, I'm going to put my tie on whether I like it or not. And uh, so I really think that, that, man, we've gotten lazy in this regard. And most people, if, if they're hiring you for an economic development CEO position, you're going to be expected to be able to put a tie on and present to city commissions and present in front of corporate boards and whatnot. So people want to see you in this in this regard. And so uh, I just say to the men out there, let's up our up our attire game and our appearance game if we're interviewing for a job. Well, I do know you always dress to impress, Chad. So, Oh, yeah, I do. Uh-huh. Another thing, uh, passing out items during the interview. Very risky. Yes. Uh, so I've seen this work occasionally. Probably 90% of the time it backfires. So I would, I would recommend you not to pass out anything. If you have something you really want to pass out, wait till the very end of the interview. When you pass something out during it, people are passing it around. They're reading what you give instead of listening to the question. It can really break up the flow and the momentum of an interview. I have rarely seen this work uh, fluidly and positively and shown in a good light. So if you have something you want to pass out, I would wait until the very, very end, or better yet, don't do it at all. Which makes your life easier. You don't have to worry about bringing a bunch of stuff. But he is exactly right. By the time you pass it out, if there's eight or nine committee members, by the time it gets around to the ninth one, you know, somebody's asked you something. Now they're not paying attention to you. You've totally ruined the momentum of the interview. And uh, so I, I agree, Hunter. That, that, that's probably right up there. Would tell us about yourself with, uh, with mistakes you can make. You know, a, a mistake I see people make, and it starts with tell us about yourself is you talk so much the committee never gets to ask enough questions. If when that interview ends, you get up to leave and they've only asked you three or four questions, you have lost. You might as well not even wait on us to call you. You might as well not wait for a letter. Nothing. You have lost. You got to let an interview breathe. And if you're sitting there, you almost need an internal clock. If you're sitting there 30 minutes in and they've only asked you two questions, you need to, to rein yourself in and let give them time to ask you more questions. 
And, and again, they're going to have specific questions they want to hear answers to. And when they don't get that, when they're comparing you to another candidate, you know, it's going to show when you didn't get to question five, question seven, that was really important to them because they don't know your thoughts on it. So another thing I would say is, is give a little pause before you answer, not a, not a four or five second one, but wait, wait a second, take a breath. It really shows that you are thinking specifically uh, about the questions you were asked. So I think that's another good tip. Yeah, and, and going with that is be sincere. You know, be, if if they ask you something that you don't have an answer to, say I'm gonna be honest with you, I have to think about that. That's that's too big a question for me to sit here and answer and give y'all bad advice. You're gonna have to let me think about that. Be sincere in, in your answers, and uh, and I find that oftentimes that's a great answer. Is you know I don't know. I mean, you, you, especially after everybody else comes in professing to know everything, this can that's be a true. great answer. Let's, and, oh, go real ahead. quick, I want I want to talk real quick about energy level. Uh, I, there's a happy medium here, but I have seen people come in who are definitely on paper the most qualified candidate, have no energy, and it comes across like they don't want the job. Um, so I would, you know, even if you're introverted, I, I would have energy in your answers. I would act excited. I would be, you know, cognizant of how much energy you're bringing to the table. I've also seen people come in with too much energy. So there it is a happy, happy medium there, but it really shows no matter how qualified you are, you know, the search committee wants to, wants to feel like you want to be there. They want to feel like you want this job, and that can come out with how excited you are to answer their questions. A lot of times the person who acts like they want the job the most get it, more so than the one most qualified. If exactly they, right. If they act like they want it. And, and you mentioned, or uh, I think you mentioned resumes. Uh, a resume is the most overrated thing in this world. Once you get the interview, your resume is the last thing you need to be worried about. People are hardly even going to look at it anymore. They may glance down at it while they're interviewing you, but you've already, that resume is getting your foot in the door. Once you're there interviewing with, I've had candidates ask me, now are you going to give them my resume? Uh, did you give them all of the references that I had? Did you, uh -uh, this is your time to shine. It's not about what's on a piece of paper anymore. When you get invited to that interview, you got to carry the day. Don't worry about your resume anymore. We always provide it for our clients, and I'm sure other search firms do too. So when you interview with us, I'd rather you just show up and not have anything in your possession, and, you know, and, but your purse or your satchel. This is more about interviewing topics, but a, but a quick resume tip. Uh, a resume is a sales piece, not an encyclopedia. Oh, oh I agree a thousand. It just aggravates me to death when I get these encyclopedias. Yeah, I mean, keep it to a page. And then another thing, if you've, you've landed projects, promote the projects. I've seen so many people talking about their CECD and the, the schools they went to, and you can't even find the projects they've won, which which is what the resume should be about. you got to remember when you're putting a resume in, you're competing with other people. And so if you're going to list things that a lot of other people are going to list, you're not going to stand out. So if all you're talking about is the CDBG money that you got to run a water line, hey, that's great. All us economic development people get it. But you're not going to stand out over the next candidate that we're interviewing because if we're doing a search or any search firm, we're going to have multiple qualified candidates. So the fact that you, you know, got a grant to run Internet or, or high-speed or uh, infrastructure – Everybody else probably is going to have similar experiences. Even if you have a CECD, you need to put that, but that can't be your whole sales pitch. Committees want to see that you know how to close deals. And that may not just be a manufacturing deal. Closing a deal may be for some communities, you know, getting a thousand tourists in here for some festival or, or redeveloping Main Street. They want to see in you this person can take a project 
from home plate and carry it all the way back around and score the run. That's what they want to see. And so you got to think to yourself, what have I done to really show that I can take a project from start to finish, get that on your resume, and you're going to be far better off. That's a, that's a very good point. Since we've kind of segued into stuff to do uh, before the interview, which resume definitely falls in, let's talk about some other mistakes that people have made before the interviews even began that got them off on the wrong foot. I've had a lot of candidates that never read our job profile. And the reason being they knew somebody that got them in the race. And so they just showed up to interview and they never read our job profile. And most all executive search firms in most communities are going to lead you in that job profile to what they want. In other words, when we first started, everybody, it seems like, wanted somebody to recruit manufacturing. Well, now unemployment's low. You got more and more people that are interested in recruiting workforce. You've got people interested in creating incentive zones, you know, TIF districts and high-end retail and restaurants. And so I say no matter how you get yourself in it, let's say that you know the mayor and the mayor got you the interview, don't just show up. You need to read that job profile because most people have thought about what they want to put in there, even to the point of putting in exceptions. We typically say that you can't hold elected office and if you're going to apply for one of our, if you're going to get one of our jobs. Um, Reason being, an economic development CEO position is a full-time job, and you're going to have to deal with multiple elected officials. So if you're seen as too political, it can be risky. And usually the boards ask us to put this in there. So we've had people apply who are school board members. And nothing in the world wrong with that. We need good public service. We've had people apply who are city commissioner, state legislator. But you need to read this profile. And if that's if that's in there, you need to know if I'm offered this job, am I prepared to resign? My other you know, you need to have an answer for that question. Exactly. Else you're gonna waste your own time as much as anybody else. Not only that, the the job profiles that we build and and I'm sure other search firms, they have a lot of hints in them. Uh, you can really read that and study about the community and, and get a good idea of what questions you're going to be asked. So that's a good way to prep for the interview, not only when you're deciding to apply, but bring that thing back out before you go to your interview and study it, because there'll be a lot of tips and hints in there to the questions that you're going to be asked, and it'll help you prep for them. And, you know, I would advise before an interview, whoever is your contact setting everything up, act as an executive would act. I have had candidates ask too many questions. And you never want to say don't ask questions, but I've had candidates want to see financials and bylaws and all of this kind of stuff uh, before the interview, before, you know, when we're interviewing 10 people, not when they're a finalist. And, you know, typically we'll share that with you if uh, if the board wants us to at an appropriate time. But but don't ask so many questions leading up to it that you seem antsy or you seem like you don't have anything else to do, you know, because I have had board members say, well, I like that person, but I don't feel they were executive enough like because of some of the some of the mundane questions they asked. Mm -hmm. You know, you want the details, but the details come later. You need to have a big picture approach at the first. And if you're asking small details like, you know, who appoints your eighth board members, you know, sometimes I've seen board members say to themselves, Well, this person's not that executive like. We would rather them be worried about how much sales tax collection right. are we going to get from this new company coming to town? Yeah. And, you know, so, so you got to be real careful. You want to ask enough questions to know where am I supposed to be? Uh, you know, what's kind of the content of this interview? How long is it going to last? This type of stuff. But I wouldn't get into too many details until after the first interview. Now, then if you get called back, 
Then you get into all the details. Mm-hmm. Um, background checks. We usually run those for every candidate we bring in to interview. Uh, other search firms just do it when you're you're a finalist or being offered the job. Either way, you need to let people know if anything is going to show up there. Uh, it's not a big deal if a DUI shows up from, from five years ago. It probably one in six, one in seven uh, forms that we run have something like that. Uh, we just need to know it off the start so we can contact the search committee and see if they still want to bring you in and, and, and they want to ask you about it during. So if you know something's going to show up in your background check, A, I would let the search committee know uh, or the or the executive search firm, but I would also be prepared to be asked about it during the interview because most of the times in, in our situations, at least the searches I've done, they'll still bring you in and interview you, but they do want to make a question or two about it and, and get your side of the story. So be prepared for that. And not only criminal background checks, but credit checks. If you've had a bankruptcy, you probably need to tell us because we're going to figure that out and i have had some committees who are very sensitive to that and say uh you know we don't want an economic developer has had a bankruptcy because we're doing economic development they're going to be charged with growing the economy and we've had other ones that say you know life happens everybody gets a second chance that's fine um so we won't judge you for but we're going to find it out so you might tell us through the process so we can coach you because you don't want to waste your time if that's going to be a deal killer let us find out from the committee, and then we can tell you. So you don't go through the effort and the emotional stress of preparing for this interview and, and, and not really having a good shot at it. That's to help us move the process along and not waste anybody's time as we go through it. Um, what would you say about after the interview? You ever had anybody lose a job after the interview? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. We, we have had people, when the interview's over the next day, go visit board members at their office because they hadn't heard yet or to thank them. Um, it's a lot of people send emails and thank you cards and all, and that's fine, but we've had, we've had people physically show up. We've had people show up in the offices that if they were hired, they would be and and introduce themselves to the staff and they hadn't even been hired yet. And the staff's like, a lot of times the staff don't know who we're interviewing. And this person has shown up and that happens a lot. Listen, we're not telling you anything today that's happened once. These are common things that we see happen. We have had people, oh, we literally have had people where we say we're not going to be in touch for a week because we have some candidates that we're bringing in next week. Mm-hmm. And and I have had them then call the administrative assistant and ask if they know anything. You know, and, and, and so if you're going to if you're going to worry anybody that you meet there, worry us. Right. Worry us because we're getting paid to handle it and we're sort of used to this. Don't worry the chairman. Uh, don't worry the administrative assistant or the staff at that organization because uh, it's going to give them an uneasy feeling. A lot of times, you know, they may not have made a decision. They may not know what's going on. So if you just dying for an update, call or email us. But I would not press for an update from the committee because oftentimes that seems antsy and you never know why this thing's dragging out. There are times committees aren't quite sure what they want to pay. And so they got to get that in order before we make an offer. You know, there's always things that, so it's, it's not always just, a, oh, we didn't like that person or whatever. You, sometimes we're bringing in people from, from outside. Well, we just did a search where we had a candidate from London, England. She actually grew up in the United States, but she was in London. So we had to coordinate getting her over here right. and all. And so um, just don't be antsy. You know, listen to the search firm through the process, and and we'll tell you just as soon as we can because, uh, you know, we're, we're ready to finish the project ourselves, so we're not going to drag you out for no reason. I think that's a, a great point. As a rule of thumb, I think you should always send a thank you letter uh, within an hour or two after you're done interviewing. If you don't have the emails of the search committee or the board, send it to us or the, the search firm. We'll forward it on. But as a rule of thumb, that should be your only contact with anybody on the search committee. 
And advice I would give is don't take it personal if you don't get the job. Don't take it out on the search committee. And, you know, listen, I'm as competitive as anybody. And when we're after a sale that we don't get, I'm miserable. I don't even sleep good. So I get it. But, you know, don't. We represent multiple people. And so if all of a sudden, you know, you know, you're telling us off and, and you're mad and isn't that another. And then, you know, uh, we might not want to put you in the next one because we don't want to deal with that again. Probably a good Almost half the time, the search committee ends up not hiring who we tell them is maybe number one choice. I'd say it's you more know. than half. It's, it's up to them. It's not up to – we tell a search committee our job is to bring you multiple people that can do this job, and then you guys pick out of them. Uh, usually we'll have our internal rankings. I've had many search committee not even want our rankings, so they may never even ask our opinion. And so, um, you know, sometimes when we're calling you to tell you you didn't get it in our heart of hearts, we think you should have got it. But don't take it out on us because we're going to be representing other people. And, you know, that's going to make an impression with us. And certainly don't take it out with members of that search committee because you never know. They may be in the market mm-hmm. again real soon. Mm-hmm. Um, meal settings. Let's talk a little bit about that because I know part of our process is, is we like to put you through a meal. And some people do interviews at a meal. So, uh, Chad, do you ever see any mistakes in the I see I more mistakes at a meal than I see anything else. So we require when we're hiring somebody through our process that the search committee or some committee eat dinner with our with our uh, potential hires. Or lunch. Or lunch, yeah. Usually it's dinner, but it could be lunch based on the schedule. But, but we actually require it. An economic developer has got to function not only at the head of a boardroom table, but they've got to function in social settings. Uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. And so we want to see it is a test. Don't think you're just going to have a nice meal. It's a test. And you need to have a game plan when you go there. I often see people talk so much that they don't eat their food. Mm-hmm. And so you need to be aware of this. If you look around your table and everybody else at that table have, have let's say you get a salad first and they've all eaten their salad and you're sitting there and you haven't eaten any of yours, they start getting antsy. They start, it's just an uncomfortable feeling. They want you to eat it. And they want you to enjoy yourself. They want you to feel like you're enjoying yourself in this dinner, so you're absolutely talking too much. And I've had it happen to where the waiter or waitress did not know because you hadn't ate your salad and everybody else has. They don't know, should I pick it up and get it out of their way to bring the main meal? And so it's dragging out because you're talking so much, they don't want to interrupt you because you're interviewing. They got a sense this is serious business. So keep up with the meal. Another another tip I would say is definitely read the room, especially when it comes to alcohol. So if, you know, they go around the drink order and nobody orders a drink, don't order one yourself. On the same token, if everybody's ordered a drink, make sure you order one. Even if you're not a big drinker, just sip on it or or take one sip and leave it sitting there. Uh, But that is definitely a test and a different different communities uh, depending on the culture. Well, and uh, I agree. You, you certainly, whatever you do, don't get so drunk that you are uh, that you're not representing yourself in a, in a fine manner. But we have we have had occasions to where the committee ordered a drink and the candidate did not order a drink, and that turned the committee off because they said, "Now, if, if we hire this person, are they going to be able to take clients out and drink with them?" Uh, uh, or is this going to be a problem? And you know, it's not, and it's never really a a, a deal killer, but it sets in a, it it puts a question in their mind. And so, I would always uh, at least order a drink, even if it's you know something very simple, and I only sipped one or two sips out of it. Unless it's a breakfast, I probably wouldn't do it in that case. Well, I don't know if, if people order Bloody Marys, you might. But even if they, uh, you know, I, I may disagree with you because we do these different. Uh, uh, if nobody orders a drink, 
rather than me just saying, no, I don't want one, I would make a funny joke. I would say, uh, well, I'm not Derek going to be the only one at this table to drink. I don't believe in drinking alone. And then that way it's funny. And then somebody, it may be a test to see how you're going to handle if none of us do and you do. And then somebody else may go, well, you know, I'll have one with you. Or, or everybody may just laugh and then nobody drinks. But I have, I have had some people test you by not order to see what, it, what you would do when it got around to you. Um, another thing in these meal settings, I have seen search committees. Now, this is nothing that Chad and I would ever do. Uh, have the server mess up your meal on purpose. And just to see how you handle that. So just remember that, that that everything during this meal setting is a test and is part of the interview process. So nobody's really going to remember what you say. I don't think that's as important. But how you act, how you conduct yourself, make sure you're eating on time. Uh, it's the little things in the in the meal setting that's important. Well, and if you think about it, we've talked about keeping up if you're eating on time, and we've talked about the interview. You don't want it to you don't want the interview to end and only be three questions. All that's about pace. So you need to give real thought before you enter an interview of the pace of this interview. How are you going to keep this interview moving? It's your job to keep it moving. Don't think that it's the search firm's job or the committee's job to keep it moving. They got questions for you. If you talk all day, they can't keep it moving. As the candidate sitting there, you got to keep the interview moving. You got to keep the pace going. So you need, before you go in, if you know you like to talk too much, have a little talk to yourself and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this stuff short. You know, let them, let them um, get into questions they want. And, and it needs to, it, good interviews, by the end of it, turn into a natural conversation. Right. It honestly does. By the, and they never start that way. Listen, the search committee is usually as nervous as you are. They don't sit around and interview people all day, every day. We do, so we're not nervous, but they're sitting there. You know, It needs to turn into a conversation. If you talk too much, that typically does not happen. Uh, I will tell you, usually at the end of an interview, you'll, you'll be provided an opportunity to ask questions of the search committee. And, uh, and the best question that I have ever seen asked was a candidate said, uh, uh, well, my, my question would be, is there any anything in my background that you have questions about that would make you think that, that I'm not the person for this position that I can dress while I'm sitting here in front of you? It's a great question. I thought that was a heck of a question. You know, I mean, this why don't you want me? Let's address it right here. Yeah, I just thought that was a great question. So have you a question or two in mind for when it comes around and make it a big picture. Where does this organization want to go? Don't make it. Can I see your audited financials from four years ago? You know, make it a make it a big picture type question. Well, I don't think we can give a, a, a podcast about being a concise communicator and keep rambling on ourselves. So is there anything we haven't gotten to? I don't think so. I, I, I think this is one of the probably most enjoyable parts of the business to me. And, you know, when we started our business, we really got three different divisions. We do some site location work and we do some economic development products and executive searches. And so I don't know that I ever thought I would I would know what I would enjoy the most, but I think it's this. And mm-hmm. uh, I believe in giving back to the profession, which is why we wanted to do this today. Um, you know, interviewing is an acquired skill. If you get asked to interview, even if you don't want do a job, as, as long as you can keep it confidential, I'd probably do it because it is an acquired skill. You don't roll out of bed being good at it. And the more of it you do, the better off you'll be. And so I think I would leave folks with that as, as maybe my final tip. Couldn't agree more right there. The, the more you can interview, the better you get at it, and, and the better jobs, the more money you'll make. All right. Well, Alex, thank you for joining me today, letting these folks see that there are two co-founders of Next Move Groups, not always always my podcast. I appreciate having you. Glad to be here. 
I want to thank the University of Southern Mississippi's Masters of Economic Development program for sponsoring today's podcast. We work with Southern Miss a lot, and they do tremendous research for us. Whether we're working with a site selection project that we need Southern Miss's help to understand labor and the market around that area, transportation, they do a lot of research in, or whether we need talent from University of Southern Mississippi. We have hired their students that actually work for us as both interns and full-time employees. So you can get a master's degree in economic development for university and they have two options to do that one is mostly an online option where you go in a few weekends and one is a more traditional classroom option so whether you're running an organization and need talent or whether you're running an organization and need research you should really consider university of southern mississippi's masters of economic development program A special thank you to Younger Associates for recording, editing, and publishing this podcast for us. I encourage you to visit their website at younger-associates.com.